Sunday morning. The service, the church service will not be here at uh, the church auditorium. It's going to be out at Drive-In Park and uh, same time. And then we're going to have a cookout after that. So, uh, but uh, I sent out uh, a letter today. So in the next couple of days, if by Saturday, you haven't gotten a letter or whatever, uh, you, you're hearing this so you know, so you've been told, right? So there, there's your notice. But uh, we would like to know if you didn't get it, though, because sometimes the mail doesn't work right, and sometimes we may have the right, wrong address, things happen, so if that comes up, please let us know. All right, um, yeah, a little longer in pray, or prayer and praise time tonight. Uh, but uh, I've been looking forward in John chapter 4 to this particular Bible study tonight because I personally find it intriguing. Maybe you will not. I don't know if we'll get through it. Probably depends on how much you all talk or you don't talk, uh, but uh, most of you have opinions, so, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I entitled tonight's Bible study, Limited Liability Evangelism, Limited Liability Evangelism. Now, if you're, you know anything about insurance, that's an intriguing title. For the rest of you, it's probably very boring, but uh, you'll see where I come around. Remember, we're uh, in John chapter 4, where Jesus is witnessing to the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in, in Samaria. Um, he's been using physical water to teach a spiritual lesson. We understand we all got to have water to live, and he is using that to demonstrate the need, the spiritual need for living water. And he's been talking with her from her understanding from her cultural and religious perspective and uh, she eventually comes to the idea is this are you saying that you're the Messiah and then last week we left off where Jesus makes that bold declaration that I am in fact the Messiah and I personally believe this is where she makes a decision for faith in him as her Messiah and Savior and it's an exciting time and tonight we're going to pick things up because right at the most exciting time the disciples return the Christians return and <laughs> you know there's all the fun out of that 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 area but uh, verse number 27, we're going to pick things up. John chapter number 4, the Bible says, And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? And so the disciples, remember, they've been off in, the, in some Samaritan city buying food, and now they're on their way back. When they see Jesus talking with this woman, the Bible uses a very strong word here in verse 27. It says that they marveled. They had a really strong reaction. Now, tonight, I'm going to have several questions for you tonight, so you can put your thinking caps on. I'd be curious how you feel on this. But the first thing is, why do you think they were so astonished or so marveled? Yes, Rob? Okay, yep, partly because what, what, why are you talking to a Samaritan? That would have been probably, you know, a little bit astonishing just there. Anybody else? I think there's a lot of things there. This is not one of my trick questions. I don't really have a lot of trick questions tonight. Maybe one in there, but really this isn't one of them. Um, anybody else? Why do you think they would have marveled so much? Okay. Uh, not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a woman, and he, he, he was talking to a woman. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. Anybody else? I'll, I'll comment on that a little bit more. Uh, you'll wait to hear what the rabbis had to say about this. Woo, uh, interesting. Well, notice the two questions they asked. They say, you know, inside all the the... The disciples think, you know, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? There, there are two questions that are running through their heads, the what and the why. You know, what is your motive? What is your reason, Jesus, for doing this? And why are you even talking to her? Is it appropriate? 
Now, here's my question, thought-provoking question number one. Is this appropriate behavior for the leader of a spiritual movement? I got a no out there. I didn't say it, Lord. I didn't say it. Um, Brother Rob and Samuel mentioned in the last several weeks we've laid the groundwork if you've been listening to know the cultural realities of the day the racial animosity between the groups and different things the cultural and religious rules of the day were very clear Now I mentioned the the rabbinic writings of the day Dr. Frutenbaum in in his book quotes a couple different rabbis, I'll quote one of them to you, and uh, you know, maybe you'll be glad you don't live in uh, first century Judaism, or maybe you wish you did, depends on your relationship with your wife, but this is what one of the rabbi, rabbi, uh, I don't know, some rabbi, rabbi uh, said, uh, and talk not over much with women, even with thine own wife, and needless to say, with thy fellow's wife, for so long as a man talks over much with women, he brings evil upon himself, neglects the study of Torah, and in the end, Gehenna is his portion. Hell. <laughs> Another, <laughs> what are you saying amen for? <laughs> if there's one man in this room that shouldn't say amen on that one, it's you, DT. Uh, and you're not going to win. This. There's no comeback to get you out of that one. I'm winning that argument every time. If you know DT's wife, you know, we know which one is a saint in that relationship. Um, uh, Arnold mentions another rabbi. I won't read the whole quote, but basically the rabbi says in the first century, there were six clear rules that every rabbi had to do, and that was one of them, not to talk with a woman in public. And, you know, to this day, does Middle Eastern culture to this day have problems with male-female relationships? They really do. Now, that, that leads to a whole other set of discussions, you know. Um, it is my brief, you know, cliff note version of it. Um, Judaism and Old Testament Mosaic Law, like they took everything and perverted it and took it to extremes. They took the relationship between men and women, that same craziness. Um, and it, like I said, it hangs on, on to this day. But Jesus is clearly breaking the rules. Now, my question to you, that the one that I kind of wrestled with it from the very first when I was starting to frame up this and going through with Dr. Frutenbaum, just John 4, you know, he does this, uh, we're in paragraph 36. For us tonight, it's paragraph 36, part number 5. Arnold does, you know, all these five. I'll have another one next week, probably part 6. So, but he does it all in like 12 minutes. You know, I've been, this is part five, so that's 40, 30 minutes times five, you know. So I, I, I've spent a little bit longer on it, but that's, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. But I've thought about this particular one because um, isn't Jesus opening himself up to unnecessary gossip, liability, and damage to his testimony? And does this apply to us today? Let me ask you this question. Should a man ever be alone with another woman other than his wife? Should he ever be alone with another woman, especially one with a shaky moral reputation? Rob's going no on that. Well, how do you, and I'm sure, Rob, you're not the only one.
I mean, you guys were, I got a lot, we got a lot of military guys, retired military. Did, did your military duties ever require you to work with another, either enlisted another officer that was of the opposite gender? And sometimes did it mean you were in a location by yourself with them? In meaning in a room or something, you know? Um, I, I, you know, obviously as Pastor Danny mentioned, this is a, you know, certainly this is a public venue. Jacob's Well was outside, but when you mix in the cultural things of the day, I don't know if it was any, any less sketchy than other things. I mean, wouldn't you say that the perception here is a bad one? But remember who you're evaluating. Now you can say, um, first off, as we read in the verse 27, when the disciples come and they marveled and talked with the woman, yet no man said, none of them. All of them were thinking the same thing that we're in this room here tonight. Now, they were thinking of it more in those immediate cultural, you know, applications. But the root principles, I think they were thinking the same thing that that we're probably thinking tonight. Um, I found it interesting, by the way, that in verse 27, it says that they, they thought these, you know, nobody said anything, but they thought, what seekest thou or what talkest thou with, you, with her? Isn't it amazing that not even Peter opened his big mouth? It's one of the few occasions in the scriptures where, you know, they, the, the disciples are all thinking something. And usually, bless him, and this is why, you all know Peter's my favorite. So Peter, when I meet you, I'm not like these other guys that poke holes at you. Or you're one of my heroes. He is, because when Peter thought it, he generally said it. But not even Peter dared to say this one. Now, we're sitting here today, and we're in this, the, the paradox or the dilemma of we all know that everything within us says this is not a good situation, this is a bad perception, and yet at the other side of the coin, we know this is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the sinless one. Is he capable? Oh, there's a whole, can Jesus ever sin? You know, we don't want to get into that aspect. Um, that gets into the theology, but we know he, the sinless one. And so he can't be doing wrong, right? Right. And yet we're left with this dilemma. Now, the whole idea of perception, do you think perception should have influence on the decisions we make? You asked, do I think? Yes. No. Okay. Now, you, boy, now that's cutting it both ways. That's a, that's a preacher answer there. He says, you asked me what I think, and I say no, but in reality, yes. Um, okay. So, you know, I, anybody else? That's pretty good. Anybody else? Oh, I was waiting for that scripture verse. It took longer. That's because we're not a very judgmental Baptist church. I appreciate that. Most Baptist churches, that verse would have been said right away. I, I heard it like from time I went to the Independent Baptist Church. I thought that was the only verse in the Bible, abstain from all appearance of evil, you know, because you can cover anything you want with that. And guys get behind a pulpit and I can make you, anything you do, I can make it sinful based on that verse to some extent. Will?
Well, all right, Will's, Will's coming to the Lord's defense. The Lord, he, he appreciates that. I, I, can, I can feel the love coming out of there. Um, you know, all the disciples are men who is, you know, Will's ultimate question is, who's going to tell her? Well, I think today we would say that needs to be a woman's ministry. You know, where is Mary Magdalene at this time? Um, uh, now, how to make this make sense, the first thing I would probably point out was, or is, well, from a human perspective, Jesus has taken, quote-unquote, a risk, limited liability evangelism. But remember, Jesus is a little bit different than you and me, isn't he? <laughs> that, that's sarcasm for watching online. There's a, and, 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 you know, he knows everything, knows every heart motive, and we don't. Ever been set up by somebody? And again, our military guys in here, especially, well, doesn't that be just officers? Oh, my, you can, I, it, 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 it has happened to me more than I realize in the ministry. Now, not as much here. I don't think it's happened as much here as at Jennifer Deanne as it did in, uh, in our first ministry. But I'll tell you, one of the wisest things I ever did in ministry, and God blessed me with, uh, with my, uh, my wife, who is the church secretary. So if you hear me online, Sam, I, I'm having an affair with the secretary, the church secretary. I am, you know, it's, I just, I admit it. This church is very tolerant. Um, <laughs> That she's my wife. And one of the smartest things I ever did is have my wife always be in the room next to me as much as possible and run, run. And there were times, especially earlier in my marriage, or marriage, in my ministry, uh, that's a different kind of marriage, where I wasn't even aware. I was just trying to be nice to somebody, but she knew. You know how you women know? And men, your, your, your good-looking, hunking man doesn't, he, he's an idiot because he's just going, oh, I'm just being nice to her, you know? Oh, she's interested in more than nice. Um, and I'm very thankful for that, and I think there's, there's a lot of wisdom uh, in that. But that doesn't mean Jenny can be with me, you know, 24 hours a day. But Jesus is different than us, and I think that does first draw some distinction that it, that it, that it was Jesus doing this. But yet at the same time, I, I do think there's something to the extent that, that Jesus, as the leader, everything he did with his disciples was to mentor them on what they should do. So there, there is some of that. Now, one of the things I thought of, and I'll see if you can get this one too, um, or give me some ideas. Uh, inside the Bible, biblical examples. Can you give me any other biblical examples where godly men did something that could be perceived as bad? Anybody, I'll give you a hint. Recently, I preached on a story that would work this. So that means you'll, none of you will remember that. And I'm not talking like a month ago. I don't remember when it was, though. So, see, just as guilty. All right, King David. I would say he's the proto-example of why we don't do it. <laughs> not only did he perceive that one wrong, but is, I assume you're talking about Bathsheba. Okay, um, and he was a godly man, and, and that one ended up case in point. Um, but anybody else? I want I want you to think, I want to think of an example where that was that was was not a bad result like that one. Joseph. Oh, I, that's a good one with Potiphar's wife. 
you know, his job demanded that he did, you know, this, and the, she set him up and all that kind of stuff, and he ended up going to jail. Not only did they perceive he was wrong, they judged him as wrong. Uh, that's Anybody else? Think of another one. Yes, Sarah. Ooh, I didn't have that one down. I guess you can be in a room with a dead woman, though. Um, (laughs) So it started off okay, and then it was wrong when Peter brought it back. You know, if if it had been an independent Baptist church, Peter would have been in trouble, you know? Uh, if you're watching online, one of, our, one of our wonderful ladies, I was so hoping that you were going to be here tonight, Sarah. I always know you have good things to say. Um, and I mean that in all, in all, you know, she said she used the example of Peter raising Tabitha, and the Bible says that he made everybody leave the room, and it was just him and Tabitha, but she was dead. So I don't, you know, probably not, not a bit, but then he brought her back, to, the Lord brought her back to life, but Lord used him to bring her out of life. So then there was that moment where, you know, hey, we got to call everybody else in because this is highly inappropriate, and what will people think? Um, that's, that's a good one, though. Anybody else? Some other ones that you can think of. Yes, Bob. Yeah, that's the one recent that, you know, the two spies, they, they go and hide in Rahab's house. When, when they were walking into Rahab's house, these two godly Israelite men who were probably married and had their own families and all this kind of stuff, when other people saw them go into her house, what do you think they were thinking? Come on, you know, uh, just like, you know, and, and yet that's where they hid and you know the story and you know, you say, didn't they care about their testimony? Abstain from all appearance. You know, they didn't have the New Testament so I guess they didn't have that verse yet. But um, I, I, got, I, got a, I got at least one New Testament example. Another one other than Sarah's was a good one. That's, anybody else that can think of something? I had a little longer to think about it than y'all did and this was a little, this is a little hard question really. Um, remember when Paul and Silas started the church in, in Philippi? Anybody remember where they stayed? Lydia's. Yeah, we have a Lydia in here. Lydia's house. Remember, they stayed there. She said, come stay at my house. Again, more proof it wasn't an independent Baptist church. Um, How about Elisha? Remember, he actually built on a room in the Shulamite woman's house, and we know she had that baby, you know, the son, the son of Daniel, the story and all that, so we know she, you know... she seems like one of the most beautiful women in the Old Testament, and Elisha's building on a room on the house, staying there. Um, Elijah, the all right, Elijah, the widow at Zarephath. Yeah, I got, yeah, still. Can you see some of these things? I, I, there is clearly a principle in the Word of God about guarding your testimony. I mean, I've, I've used this illustration before. Remember when uh, early in the Pence, or the Pence administration, the Trump administration, Vice President Pence, and how the, the mainstream media was all mocking him because he said he would not go out to dinner with a, another woman alone unless it was his wife. You know, I much admired, you know, VP Pence for that. You know, and there's a lot of wisdom, especially in Washington, D.C., that's really wise. Um... And yet he was savaged for such a, you know, idea. But when it comes to being a witness for Christ and stuff, in ministry in general, there are going to be times where people are going to commit a suicide against you. It just, if you, if you want to do anything from God, if... if 
there are going to be times where people are going to make assumptions against you. And ultimately, I would submit that ministry is risk. And the problem with most American churches today is we are so risk averse. We live in such a litigious society. And while I understand that, let me give you an example. Um, uh, many, some years ago, my first ministry, we, we built on, we had a large Christian school and we built on a really epic playground next to the building and we lived in a neighborhood, a lower middle class neighborhood, similar to this one here. Um, and we had kids coming from all over and I had one of my deacons that was just every deacons meeting, you know. We got to do something about, the, about these kids. I come out here and there's kids from the neighborhood playing on the playground and they're climbing all over it and they're going to fall. And when they fall, they're going to break their arm. When they break their arm, their parents are going to sue us. And so I'm like, what's your suggestion? I think we need to build one of those tall fences with the barbed wire on the top all the way around the playground. <laughs> and you think I'm joking. Why we don't run things here with the deacon board? Uh, I'm like, I looked at him and said, well, why don't we just put that fence around the entire church property and shut the church down? The only way, the best way I can get, guarantee that we won't get sued is let's just shut the doors. And at some point, when it comes to being a vibrant ministry that's committed to the Great Commission and sharing the faith, there's going to be risk. I mean, think about even when it comes to missionaries. I remember uh, when Matt and I were in China when we were out in this hotel with the, uh, an unregistered church and doing a, like a Bible study thing and a, like a conference thing. And, um, and the, it was during the Chinese national holiday, isn't it? In October, December, it's in October, I think. Anyway, they, were, they, they found somehow that somebody heard something and a bunch of police guys showed up to check things out and the, the Chinese people sent Matt and I to, a, to hide in the hotel room. <laughs> you know, you talk about having a prayer meeting. I'll tell you, that's when intercessory prayer started. Um, and wow. And some people said, well, you know, you're in another country breaking their laws. Isn't that unethical? You know, unregistered church, preaching, and you know, missionaries, missionaries shouldn't be in that country witnessing. It's dangerous. Would Christianity have crossed the globe with courage like that? That's where the, the, the famous verse in Acts where Peter says we ought to obey God rather than man comes into play. Now, I know some Christians want to use it because every little issue that comes up, they're throwing that out there. But when it comes to the ability to share our faith and the responsibility to do it, it clearly comes into play. But every time we get involved in ministry to some way, you're going to take on some liability. And obviously Jesus knew this, what was going on in this woman and he, could, he was wait, not what we are. But I just don't know a way to totally insulate it. And yet... There have been times in ministry where people are so beholden to perception. Oh, that, that people could perceive, people could perceive. Well, let people perceive. It's sometimes 
we just got to do what we got to do and you got to witness and you know you you do the right thing and you trust God that you know and sometimes it ends up like Joseph I'm gonna say it doesn't and and please I, I, I around here I, I am so thankful that um, here in our church there's cameras everywhere I don't like them out in public areas because I think we have the right to privacy but on our, on our, you know, we're a private entity, a local church. If we decide the best way to protect our church is to have cameras, um, you know, and it's helped them. We've cut down a lot of crime out there. When the crooks seem to figure out shortly after we put the, the cameras up outside, it was amazing how the traffic in our parking lot in the weekends slowed down because we can zoom right in. The police every now and then have come over here with issues around our neighbor, you know, around right around us saying, hey, did your camera pick up anything? Hey, come take a look. We'll let you see. Because it brings safety. But this is an interesting issue, isn't it? I'm just saying as a general rule, men, you got to protect yourself. Keep your wife close. As I always say, the best security for a man is a healthy marriage. It is the best insulator. Be madly in love with your wife. Keep her close. When it comes to any woman that has some kind of relationship with you, you better make sure your wife is, is right there as well. Because women are smarter and they know we need to listen to them. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but I thought that was fascinating. All right, I only got five minutes. I don't know if I'll get done the rest tonight, but that's okay. Y'all talked really good. Isn't that, now y'all going to go home and think about this for a while. It's kind of a fascinating conundrum here, isn't it? Um, and yet, here we are. Now, verse 28 says, the disciples show up and as soon as the disciples show up with their negative energy, verse 28, the woman then left. <laughs> no, then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. So she leaves her water pot behind and I've preached a message and a lot of guys, you know, preach a message about this, you know, but what do you think the significance is about her leaving the water pot there? Anything? She was coming back. Oh, that's one I wrote down. You know, people make a big deal about it and I think one of the reasons she left the water pot there is like, you know, I'll be back. Um, all right. Maybe where she, we know she was going to talk to the men. Talk about that here in a minute. Uh, anybody else? What, what does it tell you about it? Yeah, Drew? She just kept forgetting things. She just kept forgetting things. Oh, man. This, this series is going to go down. This is epic tonight. Are, are you trying to imply that women don't remember things with your wife sitting right next to you? <laughs> it's unbiblical that uh, there's a verse in there about leaving your water pot at the well is that what you're submitting to me will <laughs> no <laughs> you guys this is great i, I was hoping tonight was going to be funny i thought i what i was trying to say, i can't wait to hear what these people are going to say because you know these are these are interesting things um I, you know after thinking about this for a while, and there's a lot of applications that you can make, I think all the ones y'all have mentioned are, are really good, but in some ways, um, you know, that she had a new priority, she was leaving her old life behind, I think it's John's way of telling us she finally got the idea that spiritual living water was more important than the physical water, and now that she had the spiritual water, the physical water wasn't nearly as important. So she left it there to go do what? Tell somebody else about living water. Matter of fact, it tells us that she went to into the city and saith to the men. Now, 
knowing what we know about this woman, maybe she just had a meeting of all her ex-husbands. I don't know. Because um, that, that my friend, who are these men? That's what I, when I read this stuff, I'm going, wouldn't she have gone to a bunch of women? I mean, that's what we would have told her to do, right? You've been saved now and you're a woman, so you should have a women's ministry. Don't talk to men. But this lady goes right to the men. And I thought, who are these men? Um, any thought on who they are? I mean, you got to admit, probably this woman knew more men than women. Uh, you know, it's, anybody? Pardon me? I, knew, I, knew, I was thinking, in my notes, I wrote, Brock's going to get this one right. If you think Old Testament, which really this is in the lineage of the, the context here, uh, the culture, you read the Old Testament, when you came into a city, the, the leaders of the city sat at the gate. The, most, the influencers, the people who made the decisions. So I think what she did is went to the men of the city, the, the leaders of the city, who would have known her, probably, you know, and, and reaches them. Now, notice in verse 29, she says, come see a man which told me all the things I ever did. Is, is not this the Christ? Again, like we said last week, the content of her message is she tells them, you know, uh, you know about, about Jesus. You know, she says, come see a man. Starts out, aren't you thankful that Jesus became a man? If he didn't become a man, there'd be no salvation because, you know, man sinned against God. Man needed to pay the price and we needed a sinless man. And 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one man, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter number 5, all through that chapter, Paul writes and says that by one man sin entered and death came upon all men for all have sinned. And he says, yet by one man shall many be made righteous. And I'm thankful that, that he was a man, but he also tells them, come tell a man, see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. She makes points out to these guys, this is just not some everyday guy. This guy told me he had divine powers. And I guess these guys, my guess is they probably knew her reputation, don't you think? Probably did. And here she comes to the thing saying, guys, let me tell you about this. Probably very unexpected. And then she asked them, is this not the Christ? I'm a sinner. They had enough theology to know about the coming Messiah and the anointed one. And then she, she points them to Jesus. You know, she doesn't really have an official Bible college degree. She doesn't have the Iwana Awards certificate. She doesn't have commentaries in her library. She doesn't have seminary degrees. But she knows what happened to her and she knows whom she met. You know, the power and passion of the testimony of new believers. It's, it's, it's one of the most amazing things to me. New believers and Christians that get right with God that have been away from God for a long time. Those two in types of individuals are the ones that every local New Testament church needs. Because us, us people that have been around a long time, we, 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 all the circles we know are either they've heard our witness before, blah, or, you know, but we just are, are not as zealous about it. But you get a new believer or, or someone who's been away from God is restored in their faith, boy, they, they get out there. And she invites them to come see for themselves. And it's interesting to me, I thought, if, if you were one of the liter, leaders of the city, an influential man, and here comes one of the women of ill repute of your city, and, and she comes up to you and tells you this stuff, how much influence do you think she could exert on them? I thought, are they going to listen to her? But we know in verse number 30, and I'll stop here tonight, then they went out of the city and came unto him. They listened to her. Now, 
why do you think they listened to her? That, that, this is a very important question because she obviously got them to Jesus and that ought to be our desire. Why did they listen? Doesn't seem like they would have. Yeah, Jerry? Okay, this was totally anything that they thought they were going to hear from her. They probably, when they saw her come and said, oh, she's about to come tell us how some man's abusing her again. Anybody else? Yeah, Emery? Well, that's a good one. Just because she's immoral. Maybe they knew her and know that even though she had this one issue, that, that they'd never known her not to tell the truth. Um, and what she was saying, you know. And anybody else? She told them what, uh, every, everything about her life. She told them that Jesus yeah, this Jewish guy, this Jewish rabbi starts telling me all this stuff. And anybody else? When we let, yeah, Bob? Okay, uh, I, they could see an immediate change. Because I, I, for me, I was thinking, okay, if this was us today, how, what can we take that she did that, we that could work for us today? Um, I think her zealousness and her passion and the change in her countenance, like Bob was saying, this woman who, you imagine how she walked around given the life she was leading? These people, these guys are going what happened to this person? Something has happened to them. And I know that our salvation is not based on feeling and emotion. You know, sorry to all my charismatic friends out there, but it is not. But at the same time, couldn't we use a little bit of emotion? Just, just a wee bit? A little bit of joy? Now, the other thing that I put in my notes is, you know why I think they listened to her? We don't know this, but I'm going to go on. You know, we know the only way any of us come to Christ is because the Holy Spirit draws us. So we don't know what was going on in the men of those city, but my, I got a sneaky suspicion that the Holy Spirit of God was working in all those men already in their lives and whatever's going on, and they were ready to receive what she was giving. And I don't know all the different reasons why it worked, total, every single one, but some of the techniques she did, I would recommend we try. How often does Satan tell us that we're not good enough to be a witness? Ooh, look what I've done in the past. This, was, this, was, this woman had some issues. Didn't stop her from witnessing. Or how often as Christians, our enthusiasm for our faith is so dead. And, and I know if, if, you, if you want, I'm going to step on toes again, but I've been doing this a lot lately, you know. As, as somebody who grew up for a lot of my years in the independent Baptist world, and I love independent, I probably come across too negative. I apologize for that. But there's some problems in it, and I'm not afraid to call them out. And one of the problems is independent Baptists get so much about rules and making sure that we're all following the rules that we suck all the joy out of our personal walk with God, and there is no joy. And I don't know about you, but I don't usually tell things to other people that I'm not really excited and joyful about. And that's why we don't share our faith. It's not all that great. We have this wonderful truth of the free living water that if you just take one drink, it can give you everlasting life. And yet, many Christians are just so lax to share it. I remember when... uh, 
I was, Jen and I were living in Indiana at this time, and I was working for Rebecca and traveling a lot, but we were active in our local church, and Hillcrest Baptist there in Richmond, if any of my Hillcrest friends, some of them still listen to my our services here, uh, but we had a lady in the, the church that, uh, well, she had family in the church, and I know we prayed for her, um, and her name was Bridget, and Bridget was a drug addict and had a lot of issues, but due to a, some faithful folks in the church that reached to her, Bridget came to faith in Christ, and I am telling you, this woman was relentless in sharing her faith. She made a point, and she'd say, I'm going to go knock on every door that I used to go knock on to buy drugs. She'd go knock on those doors and say, I'm a different person. Let me tell you what, how God changed my life. And I'm telling you, and Jenny's back there as my witness, there were not many weeks that went by that at the end of the service, Bridget wasn't bringing somebody at the end of the service to talk to Pastor Holman, and they had placed their faith in Christ. Just and, it just, and she just kept doing it. Just amazing. And I remember thinking in those with Bridget, she was like a reminder to all of us, you know, when's the last time you had enough courage to take a little bit of liability, a little bit of risk, and share the faith? Amen? Interesting tonight, right? We're six minutes over. I apologize all over, but that's because you guys talk so much and you made me laugh so much tonight. I appreciate that. This, you know, this is one I might have to watch again myself because of what y'all had to say. But it, it was an interest, interesting discussion. I hope you pray on it, think on it, and uh, we'll pick it up there next week and uh, hopefully be done with paragraph uh, 36 next week. Maybe. We'll see. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word tonight. Thank you for the, the testimony of this dear lady who... Lord, I know is in your, in your presence tonight and uh, was a good and faithful servant. Um, Lord, help us who've had a sip of that living water to not forget the refreshing taste that it brings and the joy. Yes, God, I recognize we live in very discouraging days and we live in troubled times. Uh, but God, you promised that you would give us your peace and your joy and that it would remain in us. So God, I pray we'd live out that joy. Thank you for the night, for everyone that's here, those who've listened online, bless them, and bring us back together uh, this Sunday as we worship in the park. Thank you for drive-in ministries. Bless them as well, meet their needs, especially in, in regards to a, an office admin building out there. God, I pray you, that you would do a, a miracle, that you'd bring uh, financial resources from ways that we look and say, God, it only can be from you that all glory would go to you. Thank you again for time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for being here. I need, okay, I'll see you all later.